Welcome back to God Books, the podcast where we talk to booksellers all around the world. My guest today is Edgars, owner of Robert's Books in Riga, Latvia. Robert's Books was Riga's first English bookshop and has become, over the years, much more than that. A community space, a place to meet, work, relax, discuss, have fun, read, and just be. It has also been a space for social experiments, one of its more recent ones involving a bit of a gray area, a sex shop inside the bookshop. Robert's Books first opened its doors in 2008 and has since changed location twice. Edgar's story of how he came to own Robert's Books is perhaps one of the most unbelievable stories I've ever come across, one fit for a novel. The father of Robert's Books is journalist Robert Cottrell, who then gifted the shop to Edgar's. Not a bad start to bookselling. Edgar's was very young at the time, but he was not alone, he had a small team, and together they not only kept the shop open, but they made it thrive and become the community and safe haven it is today. Here's my conversation with Edgar's. Hello and welcome to God Books. I'm very excited to have a bookshop from Riga, the first ever bookshop from Riga that I have on God Books, so thank you for joining me today. Let's start with a tour of Robert's books. I always start with a virtual tour of the bookshops. So since this is an audio podcast and not yet a video one, let's imagine we're walking into Robert's books and you're you're walking us through it. How mm. does it look? How does it feel? How does it smell? You can get creative with your description. Uh, so we are now walking one of the main streets of Riga. Uh, it's a cobbled stone street uh, with a narrow passage for people to walk and uh, between two buildings we look at the right and we see uh, a courtyard a slim exit between two buildings and uh, there we see already a metal gate uh, that is constructed in the form of an open book with a plate written on robert's books and uh, that's the invitation uh, for people to stop the half second that he is looking at his right or left. And uh, we go into the small passage between two buildings. And uh, soon after, it opens a small, lovely courtyard uh, with a terrace on the left side, uh, where is a big bookshelf standing filled with books. There is also a birch tree uh, in the middle of the concrete, which covers the whole uh, courtyard. In front, we see an entry of a bookshop with a red neon sign, Robert's Books. And the building and the shop entrance is colorfully painted, uh, not colorfully, but beautifully painted black-white facade, which was made uh, by a local artist displaying our uh, dreamy customers. And we walk into the shop, probably some... uh, 80s music or jazz or some other music that our employee likes is playing in the background. It is a narrow, uh, narrow 50 square meter space. Uh, As soon as you enter on the right side, we have a bar where coffee machine is working all the time. And uh, there is probably standing one of our employees. Behind his back is a huge blackboard with the offer that we sell. And right next to the bar are four tables. And on the other side, the whole wall is covered with bookshelf. And uh, we pass uh, a little bit further in. And now we are in our back room, which invites you with a red velvet curtains for the entry. And when you walk in in that room, it's a golden room. The walls are painted in a golden uh, <clears throat> style. And you see there's a small stage where a piano is standing. And uh, one of the walls is covered with bookshelves. And uh, small shelves on the sides of the walls where also books are displayed. And uh, there's a a comfortable, huge, old-style couch with two beautiful chairs, and uh, you have the feeling of that you have entered some kind of living space where carpets, uh, beautiful furniture, small tables, low-dimmed light, and maybe some someone is now playing the piano. So we have two small rooms and a huge courtyard, which we are happy to use in summers where concerts are happening, events, gatherings, readings, 
stand-up comedies. So it's a small, cozy 50-square-meter shop filled with books, art, small, beautiful accessories that are useful for readers or writers. There's coffee smell all the time and a beautiful background music playing that uh, doesn't bother anyone. <laughs> well, this is one of my favorite parts of, of these interviews, the the tours of the bookshop. And I love how like people can't see this, but you closed your eyes the whole time while you were <laughs> describing this. And I just had this this image of you actually traveling there in your mind. So Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> it's true again and again and again. Yeah. It does sound like a very beautiful space and very intimate and very, I mean, it, it's small, right? But it definitely feels like it has an atmosphere and a smell and a feel and a and a vibe. Um, so I know that you were not the original, you're not the person who opened Robert's books, but you joined a few years after it opened. So I was wondering if you can share a bit about your journey into bookselling and what inspired you to join Robert's books when you did, I think you said 2012, you've been there quite a while now, if you can share a little bit about how you got there and what you were doing before that, if you were always in books yeah. or if you joined accidentally. Uh this is really a story of um, uh, be careful what you wish for. I never had a dream uh, or a wish that I would have a bookstore, but I had a dream that I would love to have a place where um, the main value is put on uh, people, where uh, everybody could get along, where there would be no language barriers, where there would be no barriers of understanding each other and uh, a mutual respect. And that's how uh, I got to this place. Uh, to put it in a word and in a story, after university, me and two of my friends, we were out of job, fresh, uh, fresh out of university, and we were thinking, oh, what could we do? Uh, we would like to work for ourselves. And as all of us, we each sp spoke a different language from Latvian and English. Uh, uh, I, sp I speak German. Lena speaks uh, Italian and Laura speaks Spanish and uh, we all were into history and uh, we wanted to show people our country from our perspective. So we established an incoming travel agency and uh, on the same year, as soon as we started, uh, we received our first order and that was for a huge international oil company to organize gathering for uh, for the CEOs. Uh, so bosses from all over the world were coming to Latvia and so we had to organize something for them, an uh, event. So we made a great event where uh, first uh, and probably... Not so soon, but I wish soon I will hear again the sentence, budget is not a problem. <laughs> so and uh, so our young creative minds went wild and uh, it was a great success. And uh, after the event, the director of the company came to us and said, guys, what a really great event. Do you have an office and where can we meet you at the uh, daytime? And we said, uh, no, we work from home. Uh, we just started and we don't have any office. And he said, listen, I have a friend called Robert. Uh, maybe you should uh, meet with him. He has a bookshop uh, in the city center. Uh, maybe you can figure something out with him. So we did shortly after, or maybe a week after we went and meet, met Robert. And when I came into the shop, uh, it was like that, that... He saw me, he's like, hey, you must be Edgar's. It's like, yeah. He's like, well, um, this is the bookshop. Uh, here are the keys. And uh, maybe you wish to run the shop. I said, like, you know. Where, where was Robert going? The idea at the end was that he, uh, Robert, I have to tell a little bit story about Robert. He's a British journalist who moved to Latvia because of uh, family. Um, he married a Latvian diplomat. Uh, he moved to Latvia and uh, from not knowing what to do, he just started a bookshop with his own books. Mm -hmm. An English uh, bookshop. And I think... It, it yeah, was the he, first English bookshop in That was Latvia, the first right? English bookshop in Riga, yeah. So, And uh, the owner was sitting there all the time. Uh, when he was traveling around uh, the world for work, uh, he was collecting all his books and moving them around. Where he moved, he moved his library with him. And when he moved to Latvia, he just thought, hmm, 
what do I do with so many books? And he started a bookshop. And as we found out later, he was close uh, to closing the shop down because he didn't have time to sit in the shop and take care of kids. And uh, so it uh, became a burden to him. And But when he saw us, um, some magic happened and he just like quickly, like, here are the keys. So basically when we met, he said, here are the keys. This is the cash register. These are the books. These are the books, and I'm going to San Francisco for a month. Bye. This and is so my dream. Just... You're, you're describing my dream. I'm waiting for someone to come in and hand <laughs> me some keys. That, that's the thing, uh, careful what you wish for, because uh, it took me a while to understand why this happened to me. But then I understand that my dream as a, as a young person was to be surrounded by... Uh, like-minded, maybe not like-minded, but at least uh, uh, with curious people who want to explore uh, and who don't uh, set boundaries for themselves and uh, for their knowledge. And uh, yeah, this is basically what happened. And uh, the deal was that uh, Robert said, okay, I, uh, you run the shop, use the back room as your office for your travel company, and uh, I give you some percentage from the income. Okay, then uh, Robert came back and he sees that everything goes well. And so, okay. and that was it. You you just took it over the next day. You opened the shop, or uh, yeah, that was funny when people were coming in, and I had uh, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I do read books, but I would never call myself a book person. So and imagine uh, people were starting coming in at the shop. Where is Robert? Oh, Robert is up absent. Like, how can I help you? Uh, do you have this and that? Uh, do you have this and that? And to not play dumb, we established a questionnaire before. Okay, this author, what does he write? Good that Robert had some system in the shop, so he had uh, sorted the shelves. So, and so we could, with these questions, come up to the point where uh, we know that we can look in which shelf. <laughs> but of course, there were cu- uh, curious moments, funny moments when people were like, oh, how do you don't know? And I was like, sorry, no. I mean, there's I'm... a lot of books in the world, in fairness. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but then it, then it was like, uh, we are here to help you, so we will figure it out. And a uh, couple, uh, couple years passed, and then Robert said that uh, he's moving back to England, and uh, would I like to take over the shop and uh, continue? And I said, uh, yeah, sure, and uh, what would it cost? And he's like, nothing, have it. So he gave you a bookshop? He just gave me the, his bookshop. That's incredible. That is incredible. I'm telling you. A lot of book people probably would envy me now and say, like, why not me? I would do <laughs> something <laughs> great out of it. But uh, I think we already did something great out of it, even uh, mm-hmm. not um, being a book person uh, as it uh, should be for running a bookshop and having it. But uh, if you put the right mindset and put the emphasis on the right things, then um, everything is possible. And by the years, you just learn and uh, and grow and uh, understand more and more. And um, mm-hmm. so, and, and just to finish up the story, one day in our, uh, our shop came in a property manager and says, "My client wants to buy your shop, no premises." And Robert's like, "It's not for sale." And uh, as it was period when people were buying properties to get uh, Schengen visas. So this district where was our shop was quite famous for foreigners to buy properties. And so basically the uh, property manager said that my client will pay you twice as much as it costs. So Robert, oh, sold. (laughs) But even after that, when that was done, even then Robert said, let me buy a new premises and uh, to continue the shop. It wasn't like, oh, okay, this is done. I earned my money back. And but no, he's like, if you want to continue, let's buy a new a new place and uh, let's continue to have a bookshop. So he bought a new location and you moved. So in. he bought a new location, uh, which looked really. Uh, a- this place looked so bad that nobody wanted to even go step a foot in there because before us, there was a 
uh, a shop for orthopedics. Like imagine there were uh, wheelchairs, there were crutches, there were uh, lunges for broken arms and stuff like that. And and it looked terrible. And when Robert's like, Say, come have a look at this place. And I was like, yeah, but let me maybe check for something better. Uh, Robert's like smiled. Okay, okay. Uh, next day he calls. Listen about the place. I bought it. <laughs> so I looks like a really cool character, Robert. I think he, we should interview him too. <laughs> he is. He is such yeah. a bright, super intelligent guy, and uh, I learned a lot from him. He, so do you think he just had a feeling for this space, even though? It does look great. He already yeah. saw it's in the city center. We have a small courtyard there. <clears throat> it's on one of the busiest streets. He quickly saw it uh, as he probably saw shop owner in me that uh, I'm okay with managing things. And then he bought that place, uh, even gave us money to renovate it. And the story of me having a bookshop in Riga started. Yeah. Probably one of the coolest uh, stories I've heard on on God books <laughs> so far. I don't think I've yeah no definitely I've not heard of anyone giving away a bookshop or any other kind of business. And it does make me think because I always have this feeling when I talk to, to bookshop owners and booksellers that it's a, an industry if you can call it's, it industry that is like no other because it's never sure it's it's just so different than anything else like any other kind of retail any other kind of selling anything it's because... always a, a, a novel beneath it it's yeah. always a huge story beneath it yeah it's a pretty rom- romanticized thing mm. in the nature of people's minds we think bookshop ah <laughs> i would sit around drink my tea and or yeah and read all of them but uh in the end it's uh, it is like that, but it's a it isn't, business yeah. that you have to run yeah, to yeah. be profitable. For sure. Yeah. It has to have both sides, right? But I always find that it has romantic aspects. So you could talk to a bookseller about the romantic sitting around drinking tea and what books do you like to read aspects, but then you can very quickly switch to how do you keep your shop open? open. And what about Amazon? <laughs> and, you know, and, and they'll, they'll be on top of both of those yeah. things yeah. like almost equally. So it's, it's quite particular in that way. So is it still the only English bookshop in Riga or are there others now? It's probably the one that is like the flagman of the mm-hmm. English language bookshop in Riga. Uh, but there are uh, already several small bookshops, independent bookshops, uh, which maybe are not particularly English language bookshop, but there are a wide variety uh, of, of, of English language books. Okay. There is one that has started by interpreters. Mm. So, yeah, different language books. Uh, and there also one... Uh, a uh, pretty uh, artsy and alternative bookshop where the owner is uh, super intelligent and a real book person has a beautiful collection of different mm-hmm. type of English language books, which more are philosophy, classics, and thinker material. But we are definitely the like, you know, is there an English language bookshop in Riga? That would be Robert's book's I mean, first yeah. answer. Um, yeah. So I've, I've only been to Riga once and I have a couple of friends from, from Riga and I have this feeling like that my, my image of the city is that it's what you were saying now, that kind of artsy and a a bit alternative, kind of cool. It's, it's not very large, but it's kind of concentrated in its Mm -hmm. coolness. Um, So I could see how many people probably read in different languages, not even just English, right? But can you maybe paint a picture for me a bit? What's the reading culture in Riga? How has it evolved over the years? What languages do people read in? What's happening now, for example, with Russian? Do a lot of people still mm. read in Russian? Is there a backlash because of you know the, the political mm-hmm. and war context that we're in? Uh, um, the reading culture is what could I see in the last 12 years while I'm running it is people do read. People usually read something that they are particularly interested in uh, reads uh, all the generations which uh, is uh, a happy thing for us that the younger generation uh, reads quite a lot in English 
And uh, then also we have uh, already established a clientele that uh, maybe from the older generation, uh, those who were mostly living abroad or are from other countries and they just uh, need a place where they can get something to read. So when we started our shop and uh, like uh, I mentioned the facade of our shop, uh, the idea was the artist asked us, okay, can you maybe describe your average uh, client? And I said, average? (laughs) (laughs) There is only up, down, up, down. There is no average. So there is a professor who comes once uh, a month and buys everything what he sees. There is a student from maybe grade fifth that reads a classic novel uh, a month. There is these young uh, entrepreneurs who want to achieve greatness and uh, read all about it. There are uh, interesting uh, closed people who don't like to communicate much, but they know everything about sci-fi. So there is no ever in a bookshop, there is no average client and uh, there is no average reader that would be like, uh, can you describe a person who who walks? <laughs> the average walk, the average runner. No, no, the, it's, a, it's a thing that uh, someone does or doesn't. But even those who doesn't, even they come there because the atmosphere and the the energy of 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 uh, of uh, knowingness and willing to know is 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 uh, electrified there and uh, as imagine you are sitting at a coffee table in our shop and opposite you is a wall with books you don't even if you don't even read you will somehow find one couple you will stand up pick it up and like go through it and yeah or buy it and people do read in all languages which they know in the end, we also have sections of German language, Russian okay. language, Swedish language. Hmm. Uh, because, no, I haven't seen that people would take part in some political or, or some issues and, uh, and put it on, uh, on, on literature. Of course, there are now a lot of people who think that everything that comes from that side uh, must be abolished, which is right. quite... Uh, <laughs> Quite a thought, but uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that that it would be a particular thing. That um, then imagine uh, then uh, also if someone thinks a different way that also English language could be abolished easily. Yeah, yeah. Of course. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that now, thank God, uh, there's some sanity still there. <laughs> so the Russian classic literature can tend to yeah, it's, it's, it's not their fault. It's not. No, their fault. no, no. It will 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 continue being in our show definitely. <laughs> so you you did say that there's no average reader, which um, I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, what would that even look like? And you also described Robert as being quite um, quite an interesting character earlier. But I wonder if the bookshop, if Robert's books had a personality, what would that personality be? Could you, if you imagine the bookshop as a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of person would it be? I kind of imagine it from what you've said as someone who's maybe kind of, um, I wouldn't open-minded want to... and fun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> when, when I, uh, when I started, uh, when I <clears throat> took over from Robert, the shop, it, for me, it was really a huge challenge in my mind that I have to step into Robert's shoes because he's a super highly intelligent person that knows a lot about everything that is well British language articulated, that has uh, best manners that you can imagine as a sir and i thought okay and me 24 years old guy uh who likes to talk now has to fill his shoes it was a huge challenge but during time i understood that what i took from robert is the loving of people we all are equal each one deserves attention and each one has to be listened to and heard and to put it in a personality it would be i wouldn't like to say granny because we are not so old but it would be a granny's house 
It would be really? a okay. house <laughs> where you come in and you instantly feel comfort. You can relax. You can enjoy your time there. The time stops in the shop and you will definitely uh, start a conversation about the topic that you're interested in. Uh, you will be fed with tasty hot chocolate. It will be warm. Uh, it will be uh, low light and it will be super comfy. And people will listen to you. Listen. So, yeah, house. I would say a modern <laughs> granny. A modern granny. <laughs> So, okay, a modern granny, I can picture that. I think that's a good good image. But then how, and I'm not like asking this with the tone, but how does that work with what you might correct me on this one? What I believe is called in your bookshop, is it the gray area? Is that what you call? That was that, that, that <laughs> okay. was a great social experiment that we... So, uh, you know how I came to it? I was, I was doing yeah. a little bit of research for the episode and then I went on your website and then... I clicked on what was gray area because that was very intriguing. And then I thought, oh, I think their website got hacked or something because I, I don't think that this belongs in a bookshop. So maybe you can tell me more about what this is and also how this fits with this granny, yeah, <laughs> granny yeah. house concept. As um, my uh, employees, colleagues, uh, they all are young people. They are all in their maybe early 20s. And Riga, Latvia is still a post-Soviet country. So the minds of our people are uh, still well-rigged. And uh, there was a time before COVID, we got with Robert together and we thought, okay, what else we could do? No, like to have a business or something else because the bookshop runs and uh, everything is good, but maybe we can come up with something else. And uh, then Robert said that... uh, how we could uh, name it what sex shop is too too simple for that i would say sexual well-being mm-hmm. and we just wanted to speak about this topic we understood that it is still a huge taboo in our part of the world to talk about these things about sexuality about sexual health about sexual well-being so we decided to have a sex shop to open a sex shop in the vibe of robert's books mm-hmm. so where people are welcome so where it is still these comfy old chairs and sofas where the products are displayed uh, as artworks and just to have to start to have this conversation about it and but then the COVID started, and the place where we had our shop installed is basically the rent ate it all up, uh, the income. And then we thought, okay, let's close it down. Uh, but I said, no, I want to try something. I want to put the sex shop in the back room of, of uh, our bookshop. And as uh, by uh, what I have told you, understand that Robert is a quite open man, that he's like, yeah, sure, try. And it was a great social experiment. You yeah, sounds like how it. people reacted from highs to lows, from ups to downs, from yes, finally, till wow, what are you? But to be honest, there was no bad. There maybe was frustration, like why, how, why do you have a sex toy shop in, in the back room? But there was uh, no outrage, uh, like, oh, that's that's not normal. Right. Uh, all older clients came in, wow, this is nice. This is okay, cool. Really? This is okay. original. Like, yeah. And of course, as, as then we organized some events also about these topics connected to sexual well-being. The, the community of LBGBCBDBT is uh, widely represented in our collective. I saw that the people are struggling about this topic. I thought, let's maybe just uh, check on people's perceptions. Let's have a look how they react on this, because we knew that we are doing nothing wrong. And the only wrong could be if someone can't handle it. So, uh, of course, there were tourists who came like, yeah, super <laughs> idea. Wow, if you, this shop would be in New York, it would be booming or or any 
But in our case, it was more than people liked it. They came uh, to it like a museum and to, to, like to an art gallery, but uh, it was not business. Uh, it was not business. So, yeah, I had so many questions as you were speaking. I was wondering first if for you the intention was to to do this, to provoke a conversation, to get people to think about these things. Well, I mean, everybody probably thinks about sex, so it's not really to mm. get people to think about sex, but to get them to be open about it, to make it less of a taboo, everything you were mentioning in the beginning? Or were you hoping that it would be exactly a boom and a big part of your business, something to complement the book selling part? And if you were thinking that, I guess my my question would be, you know, when people go wrong. to, not necessarily what went wrong, but when people go to a bookshop, they usually have a little conversation with a bookseller. Maybe they'll get recommended a book. Maybe they'll know that bookseller. Maybe that they form a relationship. I'm not sure that you would buy your sex toys from the same person, because sometimes, especially if in a society where there's a bit of a taboo around it, even if you're making an effort to not have that taboo there, you probably want to be a little bit anonymous. So maybe, maybe you would go to a sex shop and not form a relationship. (laughs) So I'm just wondering if if you feel people had that, like they would come look at it as a museum, but then be like, I'm not buying from you because you're my bookseller. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that was the case. I think that was the case. Maybe not even uh, as you described, because as those people who come in daily and are uh, already acquainted with us, uh, people who work there, it's like, oh, and okay, well, what about that? And this, and then, ah, like, oh, this, and then, and then, and it, it goes okay. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you are going for a sex toy and you have to walk through a bookshop <laughs> to get there, then there is this mismatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea, when I first started it uh, in this other place where I created a totally new shop, there it worked. But then uh, when uh, the funds uh, run out, I just wanted to to make uh, something out of it. Mm. Not a business, but have a conversation, make people mad or happy, or just to, for people to have something in their mind about it. Our bookshop, the main customer from uh, Facebook, uh, what we can understand is about 75% are women from age 18 till 45. That is also the customer for sex toys. Is it? Okay. <laughs> good so, so the clientele was there, uh-huh. but maybe <laughs> the people weren't still like, because it's always the hardest <laughs> one for the first one. So yeah. the next one who will open uh, a coffee shop with sex toys, I'm pretty It'll sure. will be very successful. He yeah. will be successful and I'm happy for him already. <laughs> Me, you know, you could try an experiment. You package the sex toys in a book or something, or you match the books with the sex toys. <laughs> no, no, we had, we had even like, I super like to experiment on business. I, I would say why, why I stayed so long with the bookshop because there was my creative freedom in any way so such a great place for social experiments because there are people coming in daily and those are not bots but real people with, <laughs> with, and they communicate with you and they share and uh, people who read i would say are somehow Uh, Mm. Of course, there was a religion person who is coming all the time buying uh, Christianity books and religious (laughs) books. He was, but then I said, uh, and how's your son? Like, no, just telling now that he does it as well. So, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, no. It's definitely a conversation starter, no? It's definitely something we, we, we had also a private shopping where people come in they book and shopping and if they don't know anything about it i close the curtains and i speak one-on-one to them or one, my knowledgeable colleague and then the person comes out and knows something more about it and maybe bought something yeah. but again it's a small country and a small city so yeah <laughs> and, and in after soviet union so it's a challenging, but I like to make people think and wonder. Uh, I mean, yeah. and yet it's, it's really in the spirit of a bookshop, right? Like to yeah, provoke, end. to open new conversations, to make us maybe happy, maybe angry, maybe questioning things. Yeah, That's all part, the, all part of and the game. And it's fun process. to see also the reactions. 
And, you know, if the life goes well and it's mundane, then uh, you get bored. But here some, someone can like, oh, oh, oh. And, I li- <laughs> and I like that after when we closed, people were coming in uh, groups with friends like, and like oh, where's the sex shop? It's like <laughs> you, the, the museum, you mean? <laughs> So oh, is, it, is it closed now or is it still? Closed now. It's yeah, closed now. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We thought it uh, was enough for... for, for uh, <laughs> we also noticed that the back room is perfectly suited for such an experiment. Mm-hmm. So so let's just think what next will be. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you have any next social experiments planned or if you're still mm-hmm. thinking about them. Not just now thinking about them. But, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, there is... Well, a... if, if anyone listening has any ideas, they can get in touch. How many books are in your shop? I would say 7,000. What was the last book you sold? Don't remember, it was a year ago. <laughs> what would you do if you couldn't sell books anymore? I would create a community in countryside. Nice. What book are you reading now? Mm, I am not reading any book right now. That's the first time I get that answer. And what is your second favorite bookshop? My second favorite bookshop would be in Istanbul. I don't know the name of it, but I was wandering the streets of old Istanbul and I came across one of these bookshops where it's full with books and they all are older than me and older than us together and the owner is of course sitting at the ca- cashier and his eyes were so so kind and we just and i even didn't have a bookshop at that time and we sat and we spoke for at least an hour so i would love to return to this istanbul bookshop uh, in old town I want to ask you a little bit about books. So I was curious first to know what what your, if you have a personal favorite, either a book or a genre, things that you particularly like to recommend or try to get people to read when they ask you for recommendations. Um, and then more broadly for our listeners that might not be like myself, very familiar with Latvian literature, maybe you can recommend some authors to us. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to ask you for some general book recommendations from, from Riga. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything favored, no, not a movie, not a book. First, I thought it's weird because people, when you're, <laughs> what's your favorite meal? What's your favorite, favorite, favorite? Uh, I just have things that I like, but not a uh, favorite uh, about books. In, in the bookshop, I learned uh, about sci-fi. And mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoy sci-fi because uh, that's the ultimate fly of uh, human creativity. So if you imagine something, then make it super original and imaginative. <laughs> and that's why I, I, I enjoy sci-fi mo- uh, movies and books, uh, but not like uh, that I would have a collection of them. And um, Yeah, and, but just as a uh, genre. Would yeah, you recommend any, any particular authors? Maybe. I love Redbury. I okay. love Redbury. Redbury and uh, I loved his short stories before the sleep. I liked sometimes why he just took and then my imagination is quite uh, vivid and then I can uh, be there in my dream. Uh, <laughs> also, I enjoy uh, nonfiction books uh, when someone takes a topic and really dives deep in it and comes with the conclusions in a book. I like this, uh, how was his name? Maxwell. Gladwell, no, Max. Gladwell? No. Yes, yes, Max Gladwell. Is that his name? I always get it wrong as well. Yeah, but it's, it's strange. Max Gladwell, yeah. No, sorry, Malcolm, it's not Max. It's Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Malcolm. <laughs> sorry, Malcolm. <laughs> or something, for example, that explores some real knowledge, like I like to be in the nature, and uh, now my future plan is to live on a farm. So it's nice to read about it, and uh, like... Um, how it is eco farming, or for example, or aquaponics, or herbal medicine. Because people would say, like, yeah, but now everything is on the internet. But the person who explores a topic and then writes a book about it, I give more value to that. Mm-hmm. 
then uh, that someone uh, read this book and then went on TikTok. Oh, you have to know this. But in the end, there was someone who did the whole research. Mm-hmm. So that's I, I super enjoy when someone takes a topic and breaks it down. And uh, and of course, history books, and that usually I do when I, for example, go to some place and then I take a book about a about place and the history of it. For example, like Pamuk has the book about Istanbul in such a way when you travel to this country, you take a, a historical novel or memoirs and you can understand the history of the place. So, of course, so many books. So many books, so little time. Yeah, yeah. And is there one Latvian author, maybe someone who's writing contemporary fiction or nonfiction? Yes, there is. Uh, that you would recommend? Janis Jonevs. He has a book, I think it was called Doom 94. Doom 94. Uh, okay. Yeah. Jan Sionius. And, and I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I found it. Doom 94. Okay. How do you pronounce his name? Jonievs. Jonievs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jonievs. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Doom 94. Okay. And it's a semi-biographical it's a, it's novel. A, it's, about, it's a story about uh, year 94 and how life was happening for a student in a post-Soviet country and what was happening in, in, in their lives. Quite, quite astonishing book. And one other is Noor uh, Ikstena, Soviet Milk. It Soviet is Milk? Soviet Milk, yeah. Okay. It's a story about mom and daughter relationship also during the Soviet times, how hard it was to be a mom, how hard it was to have a child and uh, to raise a child in, in that era. And what do you tell to your kids? Well, what do you don't? And of course, a big part is this uh, mother-daughter relationship, which uh, is a topic that will never end, I think. Uh, for, <laughs> for some of us, Edgar, so we definitely... For <laughs> some of you, yeah. But fathers and the sons is quite the same. <laughs> quite the same. I think parents and children in general. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for those. They're going on, on our recommendation list. And I actually have to say with shame, I don't think I ever read anything by a Latvian author, so I can, can start there. Uh, you are not uh, the only one, yeah. <laughs> it's still a, a place, uh, authors that are just now starting to, to, to mm, get... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same for Romanian literature. A lot of, like most of it has not yet really been translated into English. And I recently came across a couple of books from my... Kind of childhood and youth that have been translated to English, and I was so excited. And I bought them oh. for my husband. He has not read them, but we have them now. Yeah, I can read to my daughter. Yeah, hopefully she can read to in Romanian one day. But yeah, um, as we as we wrap up, I want to ask you two more questions. Actually, one is around any plans or projects that you have for the future of Robert's books. I mean, it sounds like Robert's books has been through a lot of different stages it's tried a lot of things it's tried something quite avant-garde that now (laughs) it's no Mm. longer there is there anything in your mind that you want to try either social experiments or expansion business there is one 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 great thing that it's on my mind for i would say last five years easily is that uh, when uh, robert gifted me the shop the shop name is robert's books and of course, people start calling me Robert shortly after. Yeah? I even stop correcting them, of course, because it's a logical way of thinking. And uh, I don't know, because of my shyness or something else, but in the shop, I never put myself in front. I never said like, my shop, we are going to do this or it will be like that. It was always that the shop is a separate entity, a being that exists and that people who come there, they know what they are getting. I just want to find one review from Google reviews. So quoting, if you are looking for a magical place with pleasurable discoveries, visit Robert's books. You will be able to take care of your mind and spirit, your body and your eyes. 
looking forward to my next visit to Riga, definitely visit this safe heaven again. So it's already an entity. So there doesn't have to be a Robert. So the shop could be... Its own thing. Yeah. yeah. Own and four years ago, I, uh, a young person uh, came, to, came to our shop and said, I would like to work here. And uh, so Oscar's works there already for four four years, yeah. And I have already stepped down from daily managing the, the, the shop. And what I would love to do is that, because Robert showed us what is his mentality. He said, I would love, no, he didn't say it, but by his actions, you will understand that, hey, Riga needs such a place. And he saw in me that I can carry it. And I see now that the bookshop is important for people around me in, in the shop, customers, not anymore customers, community. So now Oscars is being called Robert. <laughs> and my goal would be my wish and maybe this podcast uh, will maybe spread the word my wish would be that the bookshop is run by the community mm-hmm. so it's a the, community-owned bookshop is what you would have in i mind. would i yeah. would i would like to have it like that mm. uh, because i already i would say a year haven't been doing any creative work there because usually I was organizing uh, concerts, talks, galleries, no art exhibition, open mics, you name it, we had it. And now I see the people, even, even who were working for, for the shop, after five years, they return, they come back and like are still there. They maybe traveled the world, but now they came back and still are now friends with those who run the shop now. And they're like, yeah, I work here. And there are people all over the world that worked at us for, for a while, even for a month, maybe. And still they return. So the place is already established by its own. And I would love to find a way that the bookshop could be owned by people who want to have this place, for mm-hmm. whom it's important that they are a small part of it or big part, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but it can be seen that the shop can uh, be run by a community, not a single person. Mm-hmm. So there are only the the main ground rules, maybe, which would be about book, how to organize them, or or what the the selling points, or or uh, how we approach customers, or stuff like that. But uh, in the end, uh, I'm sure that. Uh, there is a, such a, a term in DAO, decentralized autonomous organization. DAO, it's just starting, and I wish that uh, in maybe a couple of years, uh, the, this place could be a, a, such a, a community-owned uh, owned place because uh, I feel that uh, my job there is done, uh, <laughs> and uh, and if if that would succeed, then the bookshop could could live on uh, forever. Yeah, you've kind of raised it to a maturity level, and now you can pass yeah, it on to the community. And yeah. and Robert Robert showed the idea. He said, "Just take it, just have it." And mm-hmm. I, with my clear heart and intentions, <laughs> wanted that that it succeeds and it can maintain itself. And mm-hmm. that's happened. And now I'm giving it up to Oscars to run it in a way that he has seen how I did it. So the the knowledge is passed on and that could be continuous, continuous, continuous. Yeah. Yeah, we we had an interview on God Books with a bookshop owner who's also a writer, Danny Kane, and he was talking about employee-owned bookshops. And there's a few examples of that in, in the US. I'm not sure if in Europe there's there's any yet. That's a little bit different than what you're talking about, but it was the idea is that there's no one person who owns it, but it's it's run by the community of booksellers and they each have a share in the profits and the management mm-hmm. and everything. I think what you're talking about is kind of a step even further than that, where you're you have the community involved, which could be even customers possibly, right? Like not yeah, necessarily yeah. Working, in, working in the shop. And they don't even have to live in Riga. They can yeah. be all over the place <laughs> and they are just like 
uh, taking part in some Zoom meeting and say, yeah, that would be nice to have this uh, this artist to exhibit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I hope you succeed because that would be a great model. And uh... <laughs> fingers very crossed. Um, as we're coming to the end of our conversation, I would like to ask you if there's any message or piece of advice that you have for other booksellers and also for aspiring bookstore owners, because I recently started something called the Future Booksellers Club. And we just recently had our first meeting and there were seven of us mm. uh, wanting to open bookstores in very different parts of the world. Uh, some of us closer to making that happen than others, like myself, who I'm, I'm very far from making that happen. <laughs> Come on, um, you have a podcast about books. That's a lot. I have a podcast. And today I'm going to go see a tiny little venue that I think would be good for a bookshop. But let's yeah. see. Um, but there's other people who are like opening in two months, you know, and they're quite ready to go. So I was wondering if from your now quite vast experience as a bookstore owner, there's any words of wisdom that you'd like to share? Uh there was one question uh, that uh, I wanted to talk about. It was about where do you get your books? and um, Where do you get your books? That's a yeah. good question. I should have asked that question. You should help me run this podcast. <laughs> so uh, when, when Robert was running the shop, uh, of course, he had a base with his own books. Uh, but then... Uh, to fill the shelves, uh, he was ordering books from England. Uh, it was different types of, uh, of ways. One was that he was ordering on weight. So basically a pallet of books cost that amount. Another was by the names of uh, particular books. When Brexit happened, it got expensive to order books from England and also the customs. So, because yeah, they stepped out of European Union, mm-hmm. and uh, and also uh, the books on weight. In the end, there was a box of a box of, of books which was filled with uh, with gardening books and animal uh, animal. So, um, can you explain just very briefly how this books on weight works? Do you know what's in the box when you no, order it? Or? No, you don't know. You it's don't just know. a book. Wow, okay. It's I've just, never heard uh, of this. Just a pallet of books and uh, you just take out and see, will it uh, work for your shop or not? And if and not, you send it back? Or... No, no, you're no. just... Stuck. You don't tell what we do with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I never heard about this method of buying books. Yeah, and it was doing great. But then uh, the booksellers also got smart. And in the end, there was maybe two good books in the box. And all the others were dictionaries and uh, picture books. Uh, And so so I thought, hmm, okay, where should I get our books? I thought, okay, we are in Riga. It's a capital city. So plus minus we are still some 600, 700,000 here. Okay, let's assume that even if 1% reads in English, even that, they definitely, all those people definitely have books on their bookshelves that they don't need anymore. So, okay, how to approach them? We had a quite big following group on Facebook for a Latin size 10,000, I think was quite quite enough. Yeah. So I gathered, okay, so calculate the book what people would bring which is the minimum price for it and then i thought okay let's make a poster exchange your books for a coffee or a glass of wine and it got uh, went so well people were coming to dates uh, with books People where uh, oh, groups this. of friends were coming to drink and uh, giving their books away and so it's one book, it was, one drink. That's the exchange. You see, you see, of course, there were <laughs> these students who uh, came with 10 books and like, uh, one more, please. And I said, guys, here nobody wants to get drunk or, uh, or be rich, but <laughs> the, the idea also works on a mutual understanding. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so, but that worked really well. And uh, till we went to establish a thing as bookshop credit. Mm-hmm. So people bring in their books, you evaluate them. And uh, so you don't uh, go into minus, you just calculate how much you can give for the book and that, and you keep it on Excel 
And uh, when the person comes in, hi, I, I think I had some bookshop credit here. This is like, Yeah, check it. He, oh, yeah, you have 20 euros. Okay, I'll come uh, and buy something. And mm-hmm. we also understood that it's not only on books, that we will also allow it to happen for coffee, for drinks, for all the other stuff that we sell. That's very community-like, yeah. And yeah, it that, also that, creates that relationship, no? Like you're, it's a trust-based yeah, yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. And then people started bringing in their books, and uh, now it's the main uh, way how we get our books. That's amazing. I actually saw this in action in a bookshop in, in Madrid that I interviewed on the podcast too, where they had, I was there with me for half an hour, and they had, I think, two, three, there were several people coming in with, I brought books, I brought books, and they would just very quickly go through the box of books, I want this, I don't want this. And immediately have, and, and it was clear that they were doing this all the time and that the people who brought the books had done this before, you know, and they knew what, mm-hmm. how this worked. Um, and they're also an English selling bookstore in Spain. And they talked about the same thing then that it was easier before to get books in English. Now it's harder because of Brexit and they've had to be creative and figure out how they can get books people, locally. And people really love it that uh, a thing that you don't use anymore can uh, give you new value. There are also people who are, uh, I wanted to say, uh, unfortunately, but it's life. It's not saying unfortunately. People do die and uh, their relatives come and say, hey, I have a, a room a filled with books. books. Yeah. Uh, and mm. this is uh, what I love most about the bookshop, that it is such a social uh, experiment to see then then basically when the books are brought in you can understand the person who was reading them what were his interests what was he into and uh, then you see some signs what was he working on like we had the people who were professors we had people who were historians uh, diplomats and then you just see the, the the books they enjoyed and then the bookshop becomes also a part of that person because yeah. he gives to us his life gatherings of books yeah, can you can imagine about... their, their life's collection. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that works really well. And if the person was in this particular topic interested, then he will definitely have the best books about it. Yeah. Because that was his life's uh, goal, yeah, to know about this. Mm. And now other people get to, to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's great. <laughs> the connection between uh, human beings is the nicest thing about bookshops. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation, Edgar. Thank you so much. And I feel like I have to come back to Riga and uh, and, and check out your bookshop. I had no idea your bookshop existed when I was there. I don't know what I was what I was doing. Uh, how did you learn about <laughs> it? We are there is such a bookstore in Riga. I was looking for. I was talking to a friend of mine from Riga, and then I wondered. My mind just went to my podcast and I thought, hmm, I never interviewed anyone from Riga. I wonder if there's an English bookshop. And then I just looked it up and that's how I came to it. Uh, so it's quite a random thought association going on there. Yeah. But I'm glad I, I came across it. And what a crazy story you have of how you came to have a bookshop and what an interesting, fun place you had. Um, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and if Thank anyone you. has creative ideas uh, for you, I'm sure they'll send them your please, way. Please, <laughs> please. Yeah, I, I just love connecting with uh, people who have great ideas and want to try. And I, I would encourage people to just, um, because when I finished high school, I thought what to study, what to study. And uh, in the end, uh, I was like, okay, finances will be always there. So I went and studied financial management. And I worked in a in a bank, in an insurance company. And one day I was driving a tram to work in a sunny morning. I was in a suit and with a briefcase. And I looked in the tram in a reflection of me. I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that that I went away from that uh, field was the best that I could uh, wish for myself. And I would encourage people just uh, to go for their dreams. Even if you will not succeed, you will do it. And you will, about the section, no, okay, I had it. I played around it. It was fun. I didn't do But um but uh, everything with persistency and being motivated, uh, you will succeed definitely. 
Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Now I need to start another club of people that should leave finance to start a bookshop. That's a very uh, no, no, no. <laughs> very particular feed niche. Feed, feed your families, please. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Edgar. It was very fun talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to That Books today. If this podcast brings you some joy, makes you feel closer to the world of books and bookshops, please share it with just one friend that you know will appreciate it. We'll be back soon with more bookseller conversations. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy a good book. (laughs) 